I want to invite you to open your Bibles with me to Luke uh, chapter 13. It's where we're going to pick up this morning. And thank you for being here this morning. Thank you for your presence. When we came to chapter 9 of Luke, uh, verse 51, we, we read this, and this, we, this was probably about a month, a little over a month ago. When the days were coming to a close for him, him being Jesus, to be taken up, he determined to journey to Jerusalem. Now, if I can say it in a way that hope you will, it's not meant to be disrespectful or funny, but maybe that we can relate to, is that Jesus embarked on a road trip. Now, I don't know what your, your relationship to that concept is. Um, maybe it's somewhat generational, but I love road trips. I, that's something that I, I thoroughly enjoy. I've been mocked for um, every time Becky and I have gone to Hawaii, and we've been blessed to go uh, several times, I always rent a car. People go, why do you rent a car on an island? And we've been to the big island, you know, we've been to Kauai, which you can't go all the way around in Kauai, you know, it's a backward sea. Um, why do you buy a car? Because I love to get in a car, and you have a destination, right, on a road trip, you, you typically have a destination, you're going to a game or you're going to whatever, going to an event, but you give yourself extra time because the intent is you're going to do some things along the way making it to your final destination. And so we would pick on Kauai, we would pick the, the beaches, Prince something up north, the Nepali coast, and we would just, and Becky would, knowing me, say, well, what's the plan? And I would say, we're just going to go here. And she goes, well, what time are we leaving tomorrow? And I said, I don't, well, let's leave it this. And you know, what are we gonna? Where are we gonna eat? We're just we're just gonna do a road trip. Now, me road trip means um, uh, what are they called? The pork rinds, the fried. What's the word for you know? I just blanked on the word. Pig skins. Chicharrones. Thank you, chicharrones. And my kids will tell you from the days they could first smell, the car would be filled going to L.A. with chicharrones because for Papa, for Dad, that was. I mean, I only ate them, I only, still only eat them on a road trip. Buy the food, buy the stuff, make sure there's gas in the car. You have a destination, you have something you want to get to, but you also have some goals along the way. And Jesus, in Luke 9, we're told that he's beginning a road trip and he has a final destination. This is the reason why he's come. Do you see it? When the days were coming to a close for him, he was for him to be taken up, Matthew 28, all that's going to happen, in that one sentence, we have his trial, his betrayal, his trial, his flogging, his mistreatment, his crucifixion, his burial, his resurrection, his commissioning of his disciples, and then he returns to the right hand of the Father. Now, this is a road trip, right? This is a, the, the ultimate road trip. He knows this is about to unfold. When we come to our text in chapter 13, we're told that Jesus is going through town and village after one town and village after another, teaching and what does it say? What? Okay. You're not supposed to be talking, so keep it quiet when you're spreading. No, kidding. Just seeing if you're if you're compliant or not. Making his way to Jerusalem. He's on this road trip. It, it, in, in Luke 9.51, Luke records for Theophilus, he says at this point in Jesus' ministry, there was a shift. There was a shift. There, there was the, the, the goal, the end destination became clear to all of us or to all of those that were around him. 
He began to drop hints, right? He began to talk to his disciples about the three days and, and what all that meant and the sign of Jonah. and all. He's, he's, headed for, he's headed for the Garden of Gethsemane. You understand what I mean by that? He's headed for that moment where he's on his knees praying. Almighty God Creator is on his knees praying, saying, Father, if there's any other way for this to unfold, please. But there's not. And I know there's not. This is why I have come. This is the destination of my road trip. But it's interesting in, in, in 9, he, he, he talks about the being taken up. So Jesus doesn't see the destination of the road trip as his death on the cross. He sees the end of this road trip as his resurrection and ascension in victory back to the right hand of the Father. Now if we want hope, if I need hope, if we want to be voices of hope, we need to understand that's the end of this road trip. There's going to be some horrific suffering and there's going to be confusion by His followers. There's going to be fear. There's going to be all the whole gamut. There's going to be betrayal. There's going to be rejection. There's going to be horrific mistreatment of the Creator. It's going to be graphic. It's going to be scandalous and shocking and bloody and then hopeless. As the tomb is... And that morning on Sunday, coming to the tomb. The women first, and then the, the men. And, oh, let's get them ready. You know, we didn't get to finish. And what are we going to do now? And Peter's saying, well, I'm going to go back and go fishing. Because, you know, this isn't what I thought. But Jesus sees the end, and we need to as His followers, that the road trip is leading to His resurrection, His conquering of death, and His ascension back to the right, His rightful place at the right hand of the Father. Luke says the, 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 the shift, the new word we use now, the pivot in His ministry is to the moment where He would be taken back up and He would commission His disciples to go engage, equip, empower, and encourage until I come back. He's going through town and village after another. He's teaching. He's making his way to, on this road trip. And someone asks him, Lord, are there a few being saved? That's a weird way to phrase it. They're, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a question that's kind of, and we do this, is trying to make a statement and a question at the same time. right? You're trying to, you know, again, we talked about this the other day. We, we sometimes feel like we need to tell God, make sure God understands. And so, you know, it's, it's a polite way of saying, wow. It's like nobody is getting saved. These giant crowds, but then they come and go and they misunderstand. And, and people, there's a lot of anger, Jesus. There's a lot of leaders. Our leaders don't like you. You know, we're hearing from the other rabbis something very different than what you're teaching. And there's rumor. You think there weren't rumors? And Do we use the word scuttlebutt anymore? I don't know if that, you guys know what that means. I don't even know why I know what that means. But scuttlebutt, rumors, the, the stuff that you think that wasn't? Absolutely it was. It was rampant. Through, and people were saying, your ministry, Jesus, how many few people are in the chairs? Now, we, because we have to. But, but, you know, look, are there just a few people being saved? What's going on? What are we missing? How come this looks so discouraging? That, that's what they're trying to... Help us understand. And here's his response. He responds to a question with, not this time, not this time. Notice, look what it says. 
He said to them, make every effort. Now this, this Greek word is, we get the English word agonize from it. Agonizomai. We, we, agony. He, he's not saying, you know, I don't know, just give yourself a little extra thinking time, you know, and, and pray about it. That's what we say today, right? I'll pray about it. God wants me to do something, I'll pray about it. No, he's saying you need to, you need to really, whatever it takes, and he's implying that it's going to be a, a difficult decision. Make every effort to enter through the narrow door. Because I tell you, many will try to enter. What does that mean? That means people will, will want to, to enter. People will want to know me. People will want to be my follower, my disciple on their own terms. They'll come up with other ways of doing it. 2,000 years later, they'll come up with systems. They'll come up with religions. They'll come up with all kinds of ways to try to be right with God. They'll try, to, they'll try to take my message and they'll try to blend it with other things to make it a little bit more palatable and see if that works. He said people will try. and Don't shoot the messenger, okay? This is Jesus. He's saying, he knows us. He knows our heart. He knows human nature. He made us. And he said, many will try. Many will try to enter, but they won't be able to once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door. Wow, this doesn't sound very gracious and very hospitable. Stay with me. Many will try to enter and won't be able once the homeowner gets up and shuts the door. Now here's what we can't miss. The invitation that Jesus makes here and He makes all through His ministry is to everyone. To everyone. I want to be really clear. It's very easy for us, either theologically or pragmatically, to say, well, there's only a few being saved, and so these are the few that are going to be saved, and we don't have to worry about the rest. Now, certain theological viewpoints will say, we don't have to worry about anybody because it's all predetermined and we're just gonna, God's going to do what He's going to do. Pragmatically, there's people that go, I don't like this person. They really, really bother me. I think you, that was the things you prayed about. I don't like the way they look or I don't like the way they behave. I don't like their life choices. I don't like how they're impacting my life. They're never going to make this tough decision. Move on. Jesus consistently, emphatically made His invitation to everybody. For God so loved the world, and that is the people, the creation of the world that He gave His Son. What Nate quoted from, from the Psalms, that's for everybody. God knows everybody. God, each and every human being was formed in the wound with God's intimate knowledge of them, including knowing whether or not they would ever make this decision. And yet he still loved, he created them, loved them, and intimately is aware of every day of their life. Do we believe that? I hope so. That's what it, it's, it's telling us. And even though the reality is that he, these people recognize most people are rejecting your message, he makes his invitation to everyone. You see, the gospel is inclusive and exclusive at the same time. You follow me? It's inclusive to everybody, but it's an exclusive in that you have to come to the gospel on God's term. And he'll use the word this morning in our text, repent. A repentance is required. Everyone is invited on this road trip. The reality is not everybody wants to join. Not everybody likes a road trip. 
not everybody will like this road trip because the road trip that ends in Jesus' resurrection and ascension also includes the crucifixion. And Jesus will tell us many times, if you're going to follow me, you, really, Joe, you're going to follow me? Then lay down your life, die to yourself, and pick up your... Oh, was that just kind of in the moment he just kind of threw that in there? Or is he intentionally telling us that this road trip is going to include sacrifice and suffering? Now, I'm an American. Those are two words I try to remove from my experience. I do. Right down to the, the, what my couch is like. And my wife and I bought a couch. Foolishly, years ago, we bought a couch, and I thought this will be the last couch we have to buy. I know, I didn't, I didn't think grandkids, I didn't think about that. And so last year we bought a couch, and my wife had the idea of, and we have, she, we have it, so that tells you how this went, um, the deep seating couch. You know, it's super comfortable. You, I mean, I could sleep on it. So maybe that was the idea, I don't know. Um, no. But, here, but when I sit on the couch, my feet stick out like that. I feel like Sharon Tanaka, I can't sit on a chair. I, I literally I have to scoot way up to get my, my because it's so deep, and I'm sitting on that couch and I'm thinking, all right, you know, I'm not 100 behind the idea, but this is really comfortable. We didn't go to the store and say, and the person comes and says, hey, how can we help you? We're looking for I don't know something that's rickety and hard and you know it just it's really uncomfortable and and I just I need to sacrifice in my life and so when I sit down to watch TV, I want it to be really painful. They would call the you know, police to come take this crazy guy away. Because I want to remove sacrifice and suffering from my experience. But Jesus, here's the invitation, it's to everybody, but not everybody's going to want to join that. There's a big part of me that says, that's ridiculous. Not everybody is ready to join in the moment that the invitation is given. And I think that's important because we, we have Peter with us on this journey to where Peter, towards the end, were a little bit panicked because he's denying that he even knows Jesus three times. And you're like, well, hold a minute, he's going to, Jesus is going to the cross. Peter, this is late in the game. And it's not until John 21, after the resurrection, that we see Peter and Jesus. You, you with me? And yet Peter had already said, you're the, you're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. I, you know, he had made these decisions along the way, right? But then that moment came, and see, not everyone's ready to join this sacrifice, this suffering in any given moment, but let's not miss that everyone is invited on this road trip. Jesus is making this invitation. Matthew records Jesus saying this, enter through the narrow gate. For the gate is wide and the road is broad that leads to destruction, and there are many who go through it. But how narrow is the gate? and difficult the road that leads to life. And then Jesus says this. He says, few will find it. Now, my wife's a Raiders fan. That's all i got to say. You'll understand what I'm about to say. And I'm a Niners fan, so I now understand my wife's experience. But nobody likes to be the, you know, the fan of a losing team. You know, when the Giants were winning their, their, their uh, three rings, all of a sudden everybody was a Giants fan. Right? The poor A's, man, they're just like, where'd everybody go? You know, everybody's over across the bay because everybody wants to join with the crowd. We all want to be with the winners. 
It plays out in election night, doesn't it? As we watch things and we realize who's going to win or not win, and, and I don't want to vote my vote to mean nothing, and I, don't, I want to vote for the winner. And people, I'm not saying you, but some people do. We want to be with the, the crowd. We, there's power, safety, and numbers. Everybody, we call them bandwagon fans, right? We want to be, everybody wanted to be a Niner fan for a long time in the 80s. And then nobody wanted to be a Niner fan, you know, more recently. Isn't that our nature? We want to be with the crowd. We want to notice what we look at what everyone else is doing and we follow them. And Jesus says, please, please, please be careful. We might say the application is Jesus is telling us, stop looking at the crowd. Stop following the crowd and what everyone else is doing. And listen to my voice. And I'm telling you, his voice, that the, the, the gate is very narrow. And most are going to miss it. Most are going to choose to ignore it. Is that a sober warning? I hope it is for us. I hope it is. He goes on to explain the, the, the homeowner shutting the door. Then you will stand outside, you'll knock on the door saying, Lord, open it up for us. Open it up. And he will answer them, the people knocking. I don't know who you are or where you're from. The moment has passed. Doesn't that sound kind of foreign to us in the grace of God and the mercy of God? This is Jesus speaking. Then you will say, but we ate and we drank in your presence. We know you. We were, we, we were in the crowds. We listened to you teaching in our streets. But he will say, I tell you, I don't know you and where you're from. Get away from me, all you workers of iniquity. That's some hard stuff. Friends, this is, this is the gospel. This is the gospel message. This is mercy, but this is also justice and holiness. It's love, but it's also righteousness. Does God have the right to dictate the terms on which we're reconciled to Him? Does He have the right to dictate the timing? His mercies are new every morning. Does He have the right to say the window, the day of salvation, the window of opportunity is over? Does He have the right to do it? You, you can answer that inwardly or outwardly, but that's really what's at stake here. That's really what we're, we're reading is God saying this is how it is. There will be, listen to this, there will be Weeping and gnashing of teeth in that place. Referring to the place where we are at after this life, determined by what we did in this life with the free will that God gave us. We can blame everybody we want to. We can blame God. We can debate till the cows come home if we still have cows. That, you know, why did He give us this and why did He create us this way and why wouldn't He and why, why, why? And at the end of the day, we need to come back to Jesus who tells us this is what it looks like to be almighty, eternal, sovereign God who has mercy and grace and gives the invitation to everyone. But the reality is He'll close the door. He'll close the door and the result will be people will spend the next life in a place where there's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Is heaven real? Absolutely. Is hell real? Absolutely. That flies in the face of everything that this American, West California, you know, top of the food chain, however you want to put it, it flies in the face of all that. And yet the reality is, whether it's COVID-19 or whatever it might be, we are dying by the thousands every single 
day. And there is nothing that we can do about it. Because that's our curse. That's the curse of sin. And part of the wages of sin is death. It's death physically. We can't argue with that. But it's also separation from God or death spiritually. And I, and I, can't, give, I can't explain all the details. or you know, Some of it's mysterious. But Jesus is the one that makes it clear in His teaching in His life that there's a place of reward and there's a place of punishment. He describes it in different ways. This one is weeping and gnashing of teeth, gritting of teeth. You know when you're super stressed, you ever, and you realize that, oh, what am I doing? And you've been just clenching. You're, you're like, oh. There's just a gnashing of teeth in that place. And here's what's really going to gall you to his crowd. You see Abraham, you see Isaac, you see Jacob. Yeah, the prophets, yeah. The Jewish, those are our, those are our forefathers, Yes. We're Jewish people, yes, those are, yes, that, yeah, that's us. All the prophets in the kingdom of God. But you yourselves will be thrown out. The door is closed to you. They will come from east and west. Now he's talking about non-Jewish people. You really want to be your Gaul Jewish people, my chosen people? Not only will you see these men and women of God that you've read about in your Scriptures and the prophets that you killed, and they're all there enjoying the prayer, and then you're going to see Gentiles coming from around the world of every nation, east, west, north, and south, and they'll be reclining at the table. That means so much to them. Maybe not so much to us, but they'll be around the table, laying, reclining, having fellowship in the feast with Jesus, with God, with Jehovah with Yahweh. You're going to see, this is what they're enjoying. So note this. Some that are last, some that are not important, some that are rejected by society, some that we think just don't have any value, will be first. Now again, we're talking about God's kingdom, right? Right? Put that in context. And some who are first, some who are like, wow, you know, that guy up there in the blue dotted shirt, you know, preaching. Wow, he's going to have a place in heaven. Man, I want to sit next to him. Those that are first here and seem to have it all together are going to be last. And the implication is twofold. One is some that you think will be there won't be there. Possibly yourself. I've been coming to church for so many years and I, did, and I don't do this and I'm not like those people and I do this and I didn't do that and yeah, you know. And I, I, I heard his teaching, and I, and I, you know, I had a meal with him, but we're not there. The other application is that those that we think in this world aren't amounting to much for the kingdom of God, they seem to be in the background, we didn't notice them, then in the kingdom of God in heaven, God's going to go, hey, come here, come here, Joey, come here. You know, I, wanna, I want everybody to know how you lived your life by faith. You were known by love, and man, you were you a voice of hope in really tough circumstances. Nobody noticed, but I did. And in that kingdom, those who were last, overlooked, you, you get it? He says, you're going to be surprised. Here's some thoughts. I've got I to move. The invitation has an expiration. Number two, the invitation is a call to repent. It's a call to repent. This is more than adding Jesus to our plans. I've been guilty of this. Adding him to my plan. Remember that song, Jesus Take the Wheel? 
It was very catchy and there's some truth in it, but you know, it's kind of that idea of here, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sit here in the driver's seat and you just reach over and put your hand on it and kind of help me. The song should have been, you know, I pulled over, got out, <laughs> said, I'll sit in the back seat, Jesus, you, you take over and wherever you want to go, we'll go. <laughs> but it wouldn't have been a popular song. The invitation is a call to repent. And number three, the invitation is now and not yet. It's a, it's a journey with Him now, a road trip in this life, and it's an eternal celebration. We, don't, we, have, we have many of the benefits of walking by faith, known by love and a voice of hope, but we don't have them all. You know how I know that? I'm reminded every morning when I look in the mirror. Seriously. Somebody laughed. I'm going to make note who it was. But you with me? I, I go, wow, what is happening? What's happening to me? Yeah. I'm not yet enjoying all the benefits of living as a disciple. So at that time, verse 31, at that time some Pharisees came and they told him, go, get out of here. Herod wants to kill you. Wow, the Pharisees are on Jesus' bandwagon now. They care about him. No, they don't want him to go to Jerusalem. His whole ministry, they're, they're, not, they're not done. These are smart people. And he's making his way to Jerusalem. And he's making his way to Jerusalem and he's going to be there during... I think Passover, it looks like, what's he up to? What's he going to do? He keeps talking about three days. He keeps talking about the temple. His, wait a minute. His biggest audience yet is going to be in Jerusalem. And what if he convinces a lot of people to follow him and there's a big giant protest or a big giant riot and Pilate hears about it and Rome comes, oh, we, got whatever, we cannot allow him to go to Jerusalem. What can we do? Well, let's tell him, Herod, because Herod does. Herod already killed John the Baptist. He'll believe that. Some Pharisees came and told him, go get out of here, Herod wants to kill you. He said to them, go tell that fox. Now he wasn't saying that he was an attractive man. I know there was a decade where we used that. He's saying, the fox is in the hen house. The fox is, this guy is not to be trusted. He's a shyster. He's a politician. Okay, good. No, sorry. Pray for our politicians. We need to pray for them. Go tell that fox, look, I'm driving out demons. I'm performing healings. Today, tomorrow, and, the third, and on the third day, I'll complete my work. I'm on this road trip. I'm making my way to Jerusalem. I'm continuing my ministry. I'm putting on these displays of God's power to, to testify to who I am and why I'm here. And on the third day, I'll complete my work. I'm going to be there. And yet, I must travel today, tomorrow, and the next day because it's not possible for a prophet to perish outside of Jerusalem. This is, this is divine sarcasm. You already mentioned the prophets, right? This is divine sarcasm. What he's saying is, where I'm going to face the persecution, where, where the, the, those who speak for God are attacked and, and killed and, and punished and whatever, is in Jerusalem because that's where the power was. That's where the religious power was. He's not talking about Rome because long before Rome was there, the power was still in Jerusalem and the prophets that were killed and rejected by God's people, by the kings, by the false prophets. It's all rooted in the city that represents the people of God. Don't go to Jerusalem. Don't fulfill the Father's plan. Can I say it this way? Jesus was unwilling to detour from his road trip. I have no idea if I'm where I'm supposed to be with you guys, so sorry if I'm taking you down a path that you're not ready for. Jesus did not detour from his road trip. He would not detour from his mission. I appreciate, Nate, the, the idea of mission and drifting from mission and losing sight of why we're here. 
right now and all this stuff that's going on and all the needs that we have and the way that we have to live and how we need to adjust so that we can care for one another and make sure that our needs and our family and, and how do we connect, all these questions and all this is happening. Where's the mission in this? We've got to ask ourselves that. Our, our leader, our head, models for us that you never detour from the road trip. You never detour from the mission, from the end of the destination. You keep focused on it. Jerusalem, Jerusalem. These are, these are his words. She who kills the prophets, where I'm headed, and stones those who are sent to her by God. I added by God. How often I wanted to gather your children together. Now, most will miss this, but this is a, this is a revelation of Jesus' divinity. He's not just saying in His earthly life. He's speaking as God. And He's reflecting back Jehovah, Yahweh's journey with Israel. How many times I wanted to just pull you in like a mother hen and just protect you and take care of you. This has been going on for millennia. How often I wanted to gather your children together as the hen gathers her chicks from under her wings. But you were not willing. Oh, wake up. See that your house has abandoned you. The, the authority that you see over you here in Jerusalem, it's, it's a shambles. It's abandoned you. They don't care about you. I tell you, you will not see me until the time comes when you say, He who comes in the name of the Lord is the blessed one. Has that day happened yet where Jesus has returned and this creation has recognized Him as the blessed one, the Messiah, the, the King? Not yet. It's going to. Every knee will bow and every tongue will confess, some willingly, others, because they got no other option. But Jesus will be seen as the blessed one. And just closing, here's my thought. The invitation to join this road trip is really from the heart of God. Jesus weeps twice, once, I think twice that we know of. One is over the, the grave of Lazarus, but he wasn't Lazarus, but he wasn't grieving for Lazarus. He was grieving for the people who did not believe that he had the ability to raise Lazarus, to conquer death. And the other time, I believe he wept, and I believe this is the moment, as he looked at Jerusalem as he's coming in, and he's reflecting on the hundreds of years, the exodus, the conquest, the destruction of Jerusalem, the carrying away of the people by Nebuchadnezzar. Just walk through the Old Testament, and all that's on the heart of Jesus. And he says, how many times I've wanted just to bring you in, and you refused me. And now... He is a very short time, maybe days, weeks at most, from being sacrificed, for being crucified, so that He can gather us in as a hen would gather in her chicks and say, I can take care of you. If you'll just let me, I can protect you from death, from sin, from eternal separation. I can, I, I'm going I'm to show you. I believe Jesus is still weeping today. I believe He's weeping right now. I don't think He'll stop weeping until the Father says go. There's a part of His heart that breaks over what's happening. The invitation is from the heart of God. Let's, um, let's, let's get our elements out if you have them or if you need to get them. Please. 